Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 29 of Docs After Dark. This is our episode for November of 2020, so the uh, official feeling season of fall, if not the uh, calendar season. So we've got some great stuff uh, coming up for you in our episode today regarding uh, news in the document assembly sphere, as well as some uh, tips and tricks and the introduction of a program uh, for assembly that is new to us. So we're all very excited about this. We're going to dive right in. Uh, as always, I'm Jeff Schoenberger, and I have with me... I'm Danielle Davis-Rowe. And I'm John Federico. So we're going to start out with our uh, news segment around the industry, as we normally do. Uh, so, uh, Danielle, tell us about what's going on with the uh, folks over at the Form Tool. Well, the Form Tools made a really exciting announcement. They have got an update coming to Aurora, which is their uh, web interview version of their document automation software. They're coming out with version 2.0 in November, and it's going to have the ability to hide questions. So if someone answers something in the interview, perhaps they answer they are single, you can now hide things like the spouse's name that are irrelevant, which was previously impossible with all of the different versions of their document automation software. Now, everything other than Aurora is based on your Word document and the interview takes place in a table. So we're not gonna be able to hide questions in there, but Aurora having the web interface will be able to do that. So very exciting news from them. I can't wait until it actually comes out. Yeah, we're. I think the uh, the web questionnaires are, are going to be huge. We've gotten several uh, questions about that on the on the podcast from uh, from listeners in our mailbag regarding being able to put interviews on, either on their website or just to have them public and be able to offer a link. So great features uh, coming to Aurora 2.0 uh, for asking questions, getting that information in in a way. Um, that lets clients uh, really sort of, or prospects, help uh, themselves do a little bit of do-it-yourself work uh, before they come into you, and it takes a little bit less time on your part uh, to do the initial setup. So very awesome. Also in our document uh, neighborhood, we've got some news from the uh, great folks at Woodpecker. Hopefully you all listened to the uh, podcast last month where Alex and Helen were on to talk about Woodpecker and a little bit about the history of it and what's going on with them and what they're excited about in the industry and in their products specifically. They released uh, very recently the ability to do uh, numbers as English words. So uh, for those of you not familiar with semantics, you've got Arabic numbers and sort of English numbers. So if you if you put a number like you normally think of, it's an Arabic number. And then if you want to spell it out, let's call that an English number. So they've got a new formula uh, built into the product that lets you take those Arabic numbers and turn them into English numbers. So if you like to refer to uh, you know the number eleven and you want to have it, you're old school in your in your writing and, and your approach to, to drafting some documents, or you like the belt and suspenders approach, you do the English word of the number and then you do a parenthetical and you put the Arabic number in the parenthetical. So if you're if you're a fan of that, uh, Woodpecker has made that dramatically easier with these new formulas. It'll handle uh, things like uh, just using the word uh, or number 11 as an example, it'll handle 11, it'll handle 11th, and it'll handle 11th spelled out. So um, 
we haven't tried it with longer numbers or dollar amounts. So if you're somebody who likes to put uh, dollar amounts into a contract in both ways, we haven't experimented with that yet. But uh, certainly for uh, for some of the smaller numbers, it works very well. And um, I know there are some programs that'll do dollar amounts out to a certain number. I think if you do it in Microsoft Word, I believe John is at 9,999. You can make it spell out in English words. Um, otherwise, you're stuck with just the dollar amount. So we'll give it a try. But if you're already a customer, don't wait for us. Go ahead and, and give it a shot and play with it. It looks very exciting. Internally uh, at Affinity, we've had a couple of interesting things uh, going on, one of which is our Affinity Hot Docs Academy. So for those of you who are on Hot Docs Classic, the uh, desktop products, and are interested in learning more about how to use those and take advantage of those, we do uh, every so often a seminar on that. And we just held it very recently. And Danielle, tell us about what happened. Yeah, so we just did it in September. This is our first podcast we're recording since then, so a little bit after the fact. It was the first time we did it virtually. We have always held it in person here in Columbus, Ohio, where most of our document automation team resides. And with everything going on, we didn't think it was a good idea to get a whole bunch of people from all over the country in a room together. So we went virtual. We used the Zoom platform because it's got breakout rooms allowing us to split out into smaller groups and give people one-on-one -on -one attention when they're not in the big room with everyone else. It sold out very quickly. We even had people on a wait list this year, which was really exciting. So we're seeing a lot of demand for virtual events that we weren't really sure there would be demand for. The breakout rooms worked really well, allowing people to have small group conversations and learn from each other and do a lot of hands-on exercises in the smaller groups, we had everyone from our team there to help with the breakout rooms on the more challenging days. Like our prior Hot Docs Academies, we started from the ground up where we had an introduction to Hot Docs because we had attendees who had never seen Hot Docs before. They were excited to purchase it and start using it, but they didn't have any of their own templates. Talked about how it works, all of the different components, went all the way through coding some of our own templates, combining multiple templates, and then we finished off with some demos of things that are coming in the future, such as the Hot Docs Advanced slash author platform that a lot of our users have now so that people would understand how to convert their templates and how that would work. All in all, it was a really good week. I think a lot of people got value out of it and we're excited about the possibility of offering additional virtual academies, whether they're on Hot Docs Classic or on Hot Docs Advance in 2021. Yeah, I, I think it turned out really well. I was surprised, uh, one, how many people were interested in, in learning it in the sense that, um, you know, going remote for the first time, you have no idea how, A, how it's going to work, period, and B, how uh, how people will react, how interested they'll be in doing it. Um, we did ask them to give up, what was it, four hours a day for a week, uh, and they, they did, and they did very well. Another thing um, I'd like to just mention is that uh, Danielle went to uh, um, did a lot of new videos for uh, Affinity University or Affinity Insight Standard, depending on how you're subscribing, that uh, go through a lot of the hot docs features that we talked about in the uh, in the academy. So if you're an Affinity Insight subscriber or an Affinity University subscriber, and you didn't get to uh, to attend the uh, the class. 
a lot of those videos are available uh, in smaller digestible lessons. So you can get a jump start if you're looking for something to do before we host the next one. And if you're not currently an Affinity Insight subscriber, you can join now for a free 60-day trial. So just email us at comments at Docs After Dark if you're interested in that free trial. We'd be happy to set you up and you get access to all those Hot Docs videos and all of the other content that we have available, including training on Microsoft Office products like Word, live webinars, our manuals, and quick reference guides. So definitely, you want some Hot Docs training for free for 60 days, let us snow. And speaking of hot docs, uh, as Daniel mentioned, one of the uh, one of the things that we sort of concluded our week together with our with our attendees was uh, John giving a brief overview of the hot docs advanced platform, which is the future of document automation within the uh, hot docs abacus next sphere. Uh, and John's also had not just some time to, to do the demo, but to play with it and, and figure out some interesting things going on with it. What sort of uh, tips and tricks do we have to offer uh, listeners, John? So, um, uh, you know, hot docs advance is the new uh, version of hot docs. It's web-based. And then the authoring tool is called hot docs author. So you have hot docs author along with, then hot docs advanced and so you would create the templates in hot docs author and then upload them to hot docs advanced and one of the main differences between hot docs advanced and hot docs classic which is now what they're calling it is that uh, instead of using tags in the in the document it uses content controls for all of the fields and so when you first start using content controls it's a little bit disorienting but there's some really, really nice keyboard shortcuts that are actually sort of program-wide that are fantastic. And probably the two best keyboard shortcuts are control comma and also control period. And so what those let you do is the control period is an autocomplete. And it, the autocomplete feature works both in the Word document itself and also in scripts and computations within HotDocs Author. So if you're in HotDocs Author and you're using the Component Manager, and you're creating a computation, um, instead of having to drag and drop the variables or use the side panel, when you're in the computation, you hit control period and you get a drop down. and you can just start typing uh, the name of the variable that you want and it'll do an autocomplete and actually put it in there for you. So that's a really nice feature, but that also works directly in Microsoft Word. So if you're in Microsoft Word and you're typing along in your document and you wanna add a hot docs field, all you do is hit control period and then you get a drop-down list and you just start typing the name of the variable and it'll pop in there and it'll put the field and the tag in there. Um, without that control period, what you have to do is you have to use the side panel uh, for the field editor and you have to go through a couple of different drop-downs. And it's a little bit slow to do it that way. It's, it's still a really great way to do it and, if, and it's a great way to learn. But if you know what variable you want, probably the fastest way to do it is to use the control period shortcut. Just hold control down, hit the period key, let go, and you get the drop down. Again, that works both within Microsoft Word and also uh, in, in the component manager as well that's in Hot Docs Author. The other keyboard shortcut that's really good to know is control comma. And control comma gives you a raw edit capability um, just like you would have had in old Hot Docs. So if in old Hot Docs, if you were in you know, the Microsoft Word portion of the document, you could just directly type into the variable tags. So if you wanted to change the capitalization from title case to all caps, uh, in Hot Docs, there's a, there's a little command at the end of the tag that says like this, and depending on how you capitalize it, um, 
it'll change the capitalization of the output. So in, in old Hot Docs Classic, you could just put the cursor in the field and just retype the like this in all capital letters to make it all capitalized. Well, you can't do that necessarily in Hot Docs Advanced anymore. But what you can do is if you put the cursor into the content control and hit control comma, then it gives you a text box and you can just type, you can just, it, with, the, with the field in there, and you can do the exact same thing. You can change the, the title case like this to an all caps like this and change the field formatting right there. Um, I also did this to change a bunch of different variable names within the template itself is that you can just click right in the field, um, hit control comma, it gives you the, the raw text that you can edit, hit enter and it pops the field in there. So those are two keyboard shortcuts I think that are absolute necessities to know in, in, uh, in Hot Docs Advanced. The other thing about control comma is that it also works in um, computations and prompt fields in Hot Docs Advance as well in the component manager. So in the old component manager, uh, you used to be able to say if you wanted to bold a prompt, you could uh, you could type in like two less than signs to get a to get a, a, a Chevron dot B for bold, close the Chevron, type your text, and then do a dot BE at the end. Uh, you can't do that directly in Hot Docs Advanced anymore, but if you're in the prompt field and you hit control comma, you again can type away. So it's it's really it's a it's a neat those are really, really good keyboard shortcuts and it drastically speeds up the coding ability in Hot Docs Advance. Um, a couple other nice things that are great. Um, one is Hot Docs Advance will rename variables both in the component file and in the template at the same time. So I had a scenario because I was converting an old Hot Docs classic to a Hot Docs Advanced template, and uh, I wanted to rename a couple of variables from within the component manager. You can uh, start hit the rename button on a component; it'll pop it up, and you give it a new name, and it'll tell you like everywhere in the component file that that variable exists, plus everywhere in your template set that also exists. If the templates all use the same component file, and it'll say, do you want to change it everywhere? And you just hit yes, and it changes it everywhere. It changes it in all the Word documents, regardless of whether they're open or not. And it also changes in the component file. And in old Hot Docs, you used to have to use the template manager to do that. And now it's just an automatic feature in Hot Docs Advanced. So that's, that's a really nice feature as well. Um, a couple other things. One is the error checking is also really nice. The error checking shows up um, primarily in the field editor within Microsoft Word. So in, if you're in a Hot Docs Advanced template, there's a field editor that's a side panel in Word. And if you have any errors in the template, uh, either in the template itself or in the component file, you'll get an error list right there in the field manager. And so when you click on one of those, it takes you right to where it is. And so again, I was I was converting a template and there were some, there were some items that were carries over from Hot Docs Classic that didn't work in advance. And it gave me a real sh real short error list of what those were. And I could just click right on it, go fix it. And it was it was really, it was, it was slick. So that was a good experience. And then uh, finally, one other interesting feature in Hot Docs Advance in the Component Manager is in Hot Docs Classic, whenever you double-clicked a component, it would, it would open up a separate window for the uh, for the component for the to manipulate the properties. And Hot Docs Advanced now uses tabs. And the confusing thing about the component manager and the tabs is, is that if you single click on a variable, it puts a tab on the right side of the screen. And if you double click the variable, then it puts the tab up on the 
left side of the screen. And so what the difference is, is that the tab on the right side of the screen is just sort of like a temporary tab, it's like a view tab. So as you switch between components, that that left tab will change to show you whatever components currently you're currently you currently have highlighted in the list. The tabs on the so right, wait, the, the right side changes based on the single click, right? Not on the, the single click, right? Okay, and the left so tabs are permanently open, so you can okay. you can keep variables open in tabs. And so it's a little bit confusing, but the the neat thing is is that let's say you want to change the properties on a bunch of variables at once you can click on the first variable and get the properties tab make the change and then just click on the next variable and it'll that left tab that right tab sorry the tab on the right will change and have the properties for the next one and and you can just keep clicking down and see those so it's a great way to scan through a bunch of variables at once it's also a great way to make sort of you know changes really quickly to a bunch of different variables and then the tabs on the left are great because those stay open. So if you want to switch between components really quickly, you can just open up a bunch of components in those left-sided tabs and uh, do it that way. The other thing about the left-sided tabs is you can tear them off into their own separate windows. So you can grab a tab and drag it out of the component manager and make it its own individual window. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of neat little shortcuts and features that, uh, uh, we discovered as in the process of, of doing all this. So it was, it's been an interesting experience and I'm looking forward to uh, doing some more in it. So I've got uh, four in the weeds questions and I've got three big picture questions. Sure. Which would you like first? Uh, it doesn't matter, Jeff, just let them, let them go. All right. We'll do, we'll do the weeds questions and then hopefully people will still be awake. Uh, so uh, you mentioned that you can, with the, uh, control comma if you're in a prompt area you can do the control comma and just start typing as if you're if you were a standard hot docs uh, or classic hot docs user you could just do your chevrons and stuff with the use of content controls are we are, are chevrons still the sort of like the operator or the like the demarcation point for scripts and prompts and stuff for scripts or, and for scripts and prompts they can be so if you want to use a variable in a prompt that's the only time you would need to use the control comma. You can type whatever prompt you want in there. So let's say, you know, I'm, I'm saying, uh, I put something in there and I said, you know, uh, you know, client's address and it's the title of a variable or the title of a dialogue. And instead of saying client's address, I want to put the actual name of the client. Maybe we put the, we have the name of the client from a prior dialogue. So I could actually put the variable in there and say client name, you know, apostrophe S address information. And the trick is to put the client name variable in there, you have to go to the side panel and sort of insert it that way. But with the control comma, if you're in that prompt field, you can hit control comma and just type client name, or you do control period and type it in that way because both of the autocompletes work. But uh, you can type it in there and it'll put the chevrons in. But the thing that I was missing from uh, Hot Docs Classic was the ability to add the formatting tags like bold, italic, mm -hmm. underline, and size. And so what you can do instead of instead of uh, you know typing the, the the two less than signs, doing a dot b for bold, and then typing the two greater than signs, you can just type control period and type dot b and hit enter, and that'll put the put the dot b inside chevrons right there in the prompt for you. Oh, so, so you don't you don't even have to type the chevrons. You just no, you don't type the chevrons anymore. Oh, if, you do, nice. if you do control comma, it it takes care of all that for you. And then in the document itself, in the docx side of things. There are no chevrons anymore, so it's it's just all in content controls. Okay, so 
Yeah, the th- when you had described it originally, I was concerned that if I use the a variable or you know computation, whatever called client name, that with the absence of chevrons, I can't in my prompts or my scripts have that phrase, right? Because it would think that it was my variable as opposed to just normal text. Right. No, you can definitely you can definitely do that. So it it'll put the chevrons in the prompts. That's so that still applies. But they're but they're automatic, so you can't actually type a chevron. But if you do control comma, it'll put whatever you type in a chevron. Or if you do control period and start typing the name of the variable, it'll put the variable in there with the chevrons of the prompt. Cool. Yep. Second weeds question is you mentioned, and this is super cool, that you can when you rename a variable in uh, like if you've got this component manager open on whatever kind of tab you're in, uh, and you rename it, it's going to rename it not only for the components, but also in the document. What if I'm using a master component file? Does it hit all of my documents? or It hits, just... it hits all of the documents that use the same component file, regardless of whether or not they're open or not. So, nice. I mean, it's it's pretty slick. Um, it's it's a really nice feature. So it's I've and I used it extensively with this with this last set. But um, it's it's pretty it's it's really nice. And it, it lets you know what it's doing beforehand. So it'll say, look, I'm going to rename it in all of this stuff. And it just gives you a big giant list. And you're like, yes, I want it to do that. <laughs> okay. Nice. So it's fantastic. Does it, since you don't, since you don't add the chevrons manually anymore, is it going to do it inside of computations where you have like a, like a text yep. output? Okay. Yep. So if I put, yep. if I put a variable in quotes, you know, in, in classic hot docs, it will now in advance rename that variable. Cause it, yeah. it, okay. That is awesome. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Um, how about a template manager? Does that still exist or does that no longer necessary? I don't think it's really necessary anymore. Um, if there is one, I haven't needed it yet. So, but the, I, the, the, there's the, the reason is, is that there's no, the library doesn't really exist anymore in hot docs advanced. So what you have is you have a directory of templates and each workspace consists of the templates that are in that directory. So that's how it decides like what templates show up in the author window for you to create mm-hmm. is by whatever files are in that directory. So there, you don't, I don't think you have to manually add files anymore. I think if you just dump them all in the same directory, they just show up. John, by yeah. directory, do you mean a folder in your uh, Windows yes. or File Explorer directory? Yes, folder in Windows File Explorer. That's correct. I'm Sorry. old enough to call them directories too. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so, so all these tips and tricks that you that you've uh, run through um, are di- were these discoveries you made, or are they documented well? Should people go back and replay this episode and take notes, or is, are they somewhere other people can find them? I I believe they're all in the help file because I you know I like to read manuals and um, Hot Dogs has a pretty good online help uh, system. Uh, some of them, I kind of just read the help, noticed the keyboard shortcut and tried it everywhere I could try it. Um, so, but like I said, I mean, I think the two big keyboard shortcuts are control period and control comma, and those are pretty easy to, uh, to remember. Now, does, does the control, the control comma, would you use that in a, in a word document itself? Like if you wanted to put list punctuation, would that be used there or? You can do it anything, like anything that you used to be able to type into a field. Um, if you know what you're doing, 
you know, I mean, the, the risk of doing the control comma is that you could put a syntax error in the document because it's not going to know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But if you know what the syntax is and you're used to typing stuff in, control comma just gives you a free form box that you can just type code into and it'll convert it into a uh, content control with, with the hot docs fields in there. So if I'm doing, if I'm in a word document, it, it's the control comma is going to create a content control and then let me type in it. Right. Or if you're clicked in the content control, you can hit control comma and it'll let you actually manipulate the code directly inside that content control. All right. Yeah. Um, I think I probably know how you're going to come out with this, but um, for those people who are current hot docs, classic users, um, Conversion, uh, is it what's what's involved in making the conversion and would that be a time to evaluate uh, competitors to Hot Docs Classic and in this case, Hot Docs Advance? I think it depends on, I mean, considering competitors depends on a lot of different factors. But in terms of converting a Hot Docs Classic template to Hot Docs Advance, there's, there's a couple of considerations. One is, uh, there are no longer um, answer source. There's no answer source integration in Hot Docs Advance the way it was in Hot Docs Classic. So, for example, in Hot Docs Classic, you could link uh, the fields in a dialog to the existing answer file. So one of the things we commonly did was is we'd make a repeating dialog with a list of parties. And then you would have a, another dialog with similar fields. And instead of having to retype everything, you would hit the select button at the bottom, which is an answer source integration that would mm-hmm. link back to the answer file. And you could pick one of the people that you had typed before and use those as your answers in that dialog. And that feature doesn't exist like that in Hot Docs Advanced. So what you actually have to do then is um, when what, what I did for the sets that I converted, because they use that feature extensively, was you create a master or a table, central table for the uh, to hold all of those values. So if you had, say, a list of parties with a repeat, you could then put those into a table structure. And tables are brand new for uh, Hot Docs Advance. And really, it's just a big spreadsheet, or you think of it as a big database access data table, like however you want to think about it. Mm-hmm. But it's just a table that would have all that information in. And then instead of having a select button, what you can do is you can link that table directly to a multiple choice variable. And the multiple choice variables have changed in Hot Docs Advanced. They're now called single select or multiple select variables. But you can link a single select variable directly to a, uh, a mul- directly to a uh, table and just use that. And it's, it's absolutely fantastic. Like it is a great way to do this. So you just get a drop down with all your names and you pick it and you can then access any field in that table using that variable. So you don't need to have like, so for example, normally if we were doing like, say a, say a healthcare power of attorney and we had a list, we had a, we had a, a an original list of like cast of characters or a party list. And mm-hmm. you had, you know, each party's name and each party's address and you know each party's uh, relationship to the to the to the principal, you know, and then further on down you're assigning agents, and then you'd have you know a blank for the agent's name and a blank for the agent's address, and and a blank for for you know the relationship to the to the principal. Well, now you can just you can replace all of that with just a single select variable, and the single select variable you link it to into this table where you've got all the information, and from that one single select variable you can say. Okay, I'm on. I've got this agent variable now, 
give me the column from the table that has the name and you can put that in the document. And then you can say, give me the column that has the address and you can put that in the document. And then, so from this one variable, you can get to any single column that you want in that table. And it's almost object oriented. So you, you, you put a period, there's a period between the name of the variable and the column of the table that you wanna, you want, you want out of the, you wanna put into the document. So you would say like, you know, healthcareagent.name, healthcareagent.address, healthcareagent.gender, healthcareagent.relationship. And so it's a, it's actually a pretty clean and it's a nice way to be able to do this stuff. And it drastically cuts down on the number of variables that you need to create a template. And I think I, I understand, um, but just to clarify for our listeners, when you say that we, that we're linking it to a table, this isn't in the sense a table that already exists with information. So you can, within the scope of the interview, essentially write the data into the table and then with other questions, retrieve that data. Exactly, exactly. Okay. So it doesn't it doesn't have to be something they create in Access or Excel or something no. like that. Okay, very good. And last question on the list, uh, for folks who are new to Assembly and they've decided that they need something of the feature set that's in the, uh, hot docs, express docs, uh, sort of class, as opposed to some of the easier stuff that's uh, more web-based. If they want to go with a hot docs product, is there a reason that they should still consider classic? Uh, the, I think the main reasons to consider classic would be if you need some sort of desktop integration. So if you're in uh, a situation where you know you're connecting to a database like Practice Master or Lawbase or Time Matters or any other kind of SQL database, then yeah, you'd probably want to stick with classic. But if you just need straight document automation and you want it web-based, um, you know, then I think, uh, you know, there's no reason not to use Hot Docs Advance. Although I will say the answer, the way they handle answer files in Hot Docs Advance is a little bit different than, uh, than uh, Hot Docs Classic. And I think some ways it's easier in Hot Docs Classic than is in Advance, but, um, it's not, it's not horrible. I mean, it's definitely, it's, it's, it's just different. So, but the, but the feature set that there, there are significant new features in advance, especially with the tables and the single select variables and, you know, the development environment where it's, it's actually, it's, 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 it's a, it's a, it's definitely a next, you know, definitely a, an evolve, an evolution from Hot Docs Classic. And for folks either newbies or potential converts uh, to advance, is there um, is there a timeline for sunsetting classic or a point where advance is the only product? I'm sure there will be at some point in the future, but as far as I know, classic's going to be around for at least you know several years. Uh, I think there's still a lot of uh, features that aren't implemented fully in advance. So for example, um, the other reason why you might want classic is if you have a PDF document, the, you know, in, in hot docs classic, you have the automator, which let you automate a PDF form directly in hot docs. Advanced does not have that capability yet. So you actually can run a hot docs classic PDF template on the hot docs advanced web server, which most people don't know, but, uh, you can't automate a PDF directly in Hot Docs Author yet. Wait, so you can run it, but you can't. So you'd, have to you'd have to develop it in Classic and, oh, run, it, oh, okay. and run it on the web in advance. Yeah, there's like a compatibility oh. layer in advance. So if you have, 
If you have Hot Docs server templates, you can actually run those directly on Hot Docs Advanced. Um, but they'll look. They won't. They won't have the new look. They'll. They'll. It's really. It's just a compatibility layer, and okay. it'll look like the old Hot Docs server stuff. Okay. So sort of like for those of us old right. enough to remember, and I'm I'm younger than you, but I still remember that if you wanted to run a DOS game or whatever in Windows 95, mm-hmm. you had like a DOS box, so it didn't get any of the new Windows features. Right. You could still run it. Right. All right, very very interesting. That's uh, that's very exciting. It's nice to see um, nice to see them grabbing some uh, some new features. I'm really excited about that that table functionality. That sounds very awesome. And I still like that we can actually just type in our variables. That was also a good mm-hmm. thing to learn. And very exciting that I don't have to go renaming everything because I've had that problem several times. Yep. Uh, speaking of new and exciting things that we have uh, coming down the uh, the pike in the document automation world, we've got a brand new entrance, at least new to us, uh, program out there uh, from some folks, looks like, over in Europe, and it's called Biggle Legal. Uh, John, you want to tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so uh, a couple of weeks ago, I actually had a demo uh, of Biggle Legal, and uh, it's an interesting product. It's been around for six years. It was started in 2014, so it's, it's fairly new. They're based out of Barcelona, Spain. Uh, and I, you know, there's a couple of, of interesting features on it. Uh, number one, it's, it's entirely web-based. So it's a, it's a web-based product. It all runs through the web browser. Uh, the documents that you can create are all based on a docx file format. So if you have a word document in docx format, you can upload it into the system and then add fields to it. And Uh, so this is, this is, uh, quite different from, I think, every other product out there in the sense that you don't do any of, or you don't do much of the programming, if any, on a desktop word processor, right? Right. There's not a lot of programming. That, I mean, you can add the tags, uh, you know, like, and you, you add tags basically in braces uh, within the document, but you can add those in before you upload it, but you can also add that. You can also add those while you're in the web browser. And, and one of the new features, I believe they just added, at the beginning of this month and after the demo was a word processor feature to the system where you can actually edit the document within, within their web interface. And um, one of the nice things about that is that the web interface actually preserves all the styles that are in the document and you can actually style the document. If you have existing styles, you can use those in the web interface. So it's, it's, it's really pretty slick. Um, So the, the procedure you would go through is, that you would create, you know, you have your Word document, you can upload it then into the system, and then uh, you can add the, you know, your placeholders with the, with the braces, and then you would create a form with different variables and then map those variables to whatever your placeholders are in the system. Uh, and there's there's some fairly sophisticated features in there. They've got, uh, uh, you know, all the common variables that you would want. They've got, you know, text variables, and they've got long and short text variables dates, numbers, single choice, multiple choice, drop down uh, sections. They also have the ability to uh, repeat sections. So they call it, they call it multiple sections. So repeat, you know, we think about using repeats uh, in hot docs, for example, Uh, they don't really have repeats, but they have our multiples, they call it sections and they call it multiple sections. So you can define a section of your document uh, in as, as a repeating section, and then the system will pick that up and actually ask you, you know, if you've got, say, multiple children or multiple parties, it'll ask you questions and repeat those questions for each party in the document. 
Um, but it's it's really it was it was a it it was an pretty impressive demo. There's a couple of features I think that stand out. One is it was designed up front to handle multiple languages, which is kind of nice. Uh, that's not a unique feature to them. Both Hot Docs and Express Docs and Contract Express all handle multiple languages as well. But it's but they've you know designed that originally with that in mind, so they handle multiple languages pretty nicely. Uh, so they've got a feature built in for that. They also offer custom integrations with CRM systems. So if you have a CRM system and you need that integrated with document automation, they can do that for you. So that's kind of nice that they offer that service as well. It they, also has. Do they have they a particular? Oh, sorry. Do they have a particular uh, CRM that they favor? I know a lot of the. No, I don't. No, they, they can. They can. I, they seem to. They. They can. Seems that they can hook it up to pretty much just about anything that you have. So uh, that's kind of a nice feature as well. Uh, another feature they showed me is they actually have an AI component that will, if you have a template, you and up and you upload it, it'll actually try to find the different fields in the in the in the document for you. So it's it's an interesting feature, and uh, we'll see. You know, I haven't had a chance to play with it that much yet, but it was it the demo was impressive. Uh, so that was actually, you know, sort of a, an interesting, you know, ability for AI to kind of look at your document and sort of do some pre-coding for you. Oh, that's, um, that's very exciting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The other things, the other two features they have is they have a contract lifecycle management workflow. And I didn't really get to see a whole lot of it, but it's there and it exists. So if you have the need for contract management, in addition to document automation, this might be a, a potential solution for you. And they also have an e-signature component. So if you're doing a lot of uh, contracts with in and you know sending out out contracts, you need them signed. Uh, they have a built-in e-signature component as well. So it it checks off a lot of boxes. Uh, I think it's an interesting product, and I think it's one to keep an eye on in the future. Is the uh, the e-signature component is that something that like I have Adobe signed, so I plug it in, or is it is it part of their package included with whatever their fee is? For... They have they have they have a they have a built-in e-signature system that they use, but I want to say that during the demo they said they could hook it up to other ones as well. I just don't recall off the top of my head. Sure. Awesome. So if that sounds interesting, folks, uh, you can either, if you're driving, drop us a line at comments at docsafterdark.com, and we will uh, we'll direct you to Yeah, and if you're interested in it, the website is biglegal.com. It's B-I-G-L-E-L-E-G-A-L.com. That's, yes, absolutely. That's what I was going to say. So if you're, if, you're, <laughs> if you're driving and you can remember it, go with what John said. Otherwise, just shoot us an email and say, that thing that sounds like a dog that does documents I'm like we well, you know what you're talking about yeah. uh, so uh, so a couple of very interesting uh new or uh um you know newly evolved products on the uh on the stage for document automation to uh to sort of round out or almost close out 2020 for us so speaking of closing out let's dive into our document fact uh for the uh, for the month of november and of course, November provides lots of uh, wonderful opportunities that you could use as sources for documents. So, you know, obviously you could find something associated with Thanksgiving. You could find something associated with um, 
somebody else is going to know this better than I do, but what, who is it? It's the Lions, I think, that always play on Thanksgiving Day, so you could find something associated with the Lions. The Thanksgiving Day Parade, all kinds of things that we uh, we won't be enjoying quite as much uh, this year as we have in past years, simply because there will be fewer of us involved any in any event. So I, I did a little bit of digging, uh, went, down, went down a couple of rabbit holes here to find something for November. And uh, thinking, you know, of course, this is a major election year. By the time you hear this, the election will be over and God willing, we'll have a decision. Uh, so I thought, what can we do uh, that might be related to uh, to elections, constitutional law, some good law stuff? So uh, spelunking through Wikipedia, which is, you know, an interesting vacation in its own. I found a fella by the name of John Peter Zenger, who, as far as I know, has largely been forgotten by uh, by history. But he was a publisher of the second newspaper in New York City at the time. This was the New York Weekly Journal. And he um, was not a fan of the uh, colonial governor at the time. We're talking November of 1734. So colonial governor at the time. And he and his friends went about printing uh, what were at the time referred to as seditious libels against the colonial governor of New York. And on this date uh, or the date of this event, November 17th of 1734, old John Zenger was arrested and uh, brought up on trial. And at this point, um, if you were publishing libel, it was a crime. It was not um, it was not as we see it today because we see it today differently because of the uh, the events around uh, the New York Weekly Journal. And uh, when Zinger went to trial in August of 1735, so a mere nine months after his arrest, uh, the um, his lawyer at the time, a man by the name of William Smith out of Philadelphia, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, Andrew Hamilton out of Philadelphia, William Smith out of New York. He was he had two lawyers. So even then, cases that went to trial were well staffed. Um, the uh, the attorneys had tried to make the argument to the judge that if the thing was true, it couldn't be a crime to publish it. And the judge was having none of it. So uh, they made the case directly to the jury and the jury bought it. They deliberated for all of 10 minutes and returned a verdict of not guilty. And that was the process by which... Uh, American common law started to recognize uh, truth as a defense to libel. So a very important early step for freedom of the press in the United States. And the only reference after that, other than some academic journals that I could find to uh, Mr. Zenger, is that during World War II, he had a liberty ship named in his honor. So a nice uh, sort of good fact to have to keep in mind as we're going through a Going through a lot of political news and stuff, probably even after the election for another couple months. Uh, so excellent idea to keep in mind that some of the great things came out of very small incidences. So uh, if you have any comments on that or anything else we've talked about today, uh, feel free always to email us at comments at docsafterdark.com. We love to hear from you. A lot of what we do, including some of the uh, the explanation that we had today on Hot Docs Advance comes from questions that you folks send us, and we love getting those. So uh, for episode 29 for November of 2020, I'm Jeff Schoenberger. I'm Danielle Davis-Rowe. And I'm John Federico. Thanks for listening. <laughs>